Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Thomas Harrington. And we're going to break down the Ducks uh, mid-season report, a little bit of a different podcast than we've normally done. We, you know, talk about game recaps and whatnot, but uh, we're going to go over how the Ducks have done um, just over halfway through the season and really talk about trade talk, improving the team, things that have gone wrong, unfortunately, with the team and whatnot. So, uh, Thomas, thanks for being on the show. If you guys don't know, he does a lot for us. He covers the minor league action, the prospects, World Juniors, um, at summertime when hockey is gone, uh, Thomas, you ramp it up and, and you cover a lot of stuff for us. So I appreciate you doing that and being on the show today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And happy to fill in for Eddie when uh, he cannot be here. Yeah, unfortunately, I'll just mention briefly, um, Eddie's going through some things. You guys saw his social media posts about his dad being in bad health. Um, so our thoughts and prayers go out to him. He unfortunately cannot do the show tonight. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let him kind of elaborate on what's going on, uh, you know, with his situation. So let's, let's talk about the ducks. Um, it, it, it's been rough <laughs> to say the least, uh, you know, the ducks are on a losing streak right now. We're not really going to do the game recaps, uh, like we normally do. There's not really much to talk about. We're, we're going to talk about, um, tanking. We're going to talk about, um, kind of the coaches and the goalie situation, maybe some trades, and things that they can do. And then we also have a poll question at the end that you guys got very animated about on social media. But I guess where we can start, Thomas, is a, a lot of people look at this season and they want to know, like, hey, is it okay to tank or not tank? I know some people that they don't watch the games, but they listen to the podcast or, the, you know, they, they read the game recaps. Um, they're not really happy what's going on, but, but they're okay with tanking. They're like, you know what, let's just lose these games. Uh, Bedard is, you know, the top pick. Let's try and get that first overall. But, you know, just what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, where's your mind frame at, um, with the Ducks? I mean, it it seems like losing is kind of okay with some fans. So for me, I never want to go into a season wanting to tank, wanting the team to use, lose. I think that is the absolute wrong way to look at it. That being said, if you are 40 games into a season and you're just not just bad, but you are potentially historically awful, you know, the silver lining is to get that draft pick, to get that first overall, second overall pick. And in that case, I'm like, you know what? If you're okay with the team losing, I get it. I, I don't want the Ducks to lose. I would, I would love them to go, what, 39, 38? No, defense, he's not. But that's not realistic. They are just flat out a bad team. And... Personally, when this year started, I thought they would not make the playoffs, but I thought it'd be kind of reversed last year. I thought they'd be worse in the second half and then better, I'm sorry, worse in the first half than they were last year, but better in the second half. Because last year, you know, they started great and then fell apart and then Verbeek made those trades. This year, I thought bringing the veterans, Strom, Klingberg, Kulikov, etc. from Toronto, I thought they'd actually start um, not as good as last year, but be a decent team and kind of continue at a decent pace throughout the season, just kind of be a more even keel team, still not like the playoffs, probably have a top 10, top 15 pick. And then the year started, and the Ducks have just been, well, awful, in a word. Um, the only thing that really hasn't gone, and there's nothing has gone right, they aren't injury-laden the way Columbus is, but they, you know, Drysdale's been out for most of the years, so they still have their own injuries they're dealing with, but just almost nothing has worked. They've had a couple of really good games, but, you know, you could probably count that on one hand. They've been bad, so if you want them to tank to get that first overall pick, I get it. But the caveat to that is you want you finished with that last league, you are not guaranteed to finish first. You will not get that first pick. It's far from a guarantee. I think it's 18 19% you, you keep that pick. Um, there are decent odds. You're more than likely that someone else will win the lottery and you will drop back. And that's the other reason why it's uh, very dangerous to want your team to finish last because it's very demoralizing to finish last and then drop back a couple of spots. That's what happened to Colorado. Was it was 2016? They they were were um, the worst in the league. They fell back to the fourth pick. Now they ended up getting Cal McCarr, so they're pretty happy with how that turned out. But that's always the the danger of tanking is you are likely to fall back. 
Now, the good news is for this year, and one of the few reasons why I'm okay to tank at this point, is there's not just one great player in this draft. Well, there is one great player, Connor Bedard. He's going first overall, no questions asked. But what a lot of people are saying is the players picked at second, third, and fourth overall, or who are likely going to those spots, um, could arguably be first overall in any other drafter. These are very, very good prospects. So if you finish, you know, with a second worst record and drop back to fourth overall, you're still going to get a potentially game-changing prospect, whereas most years, that's not the case. So this year, if you can finish with that worst record or second worst record, you are pretty much guaranteed a an excellent prospect and a player who is potentially a number one overall in the last three or four years. Um, so the other players besides Bedard are Adam Fentilli, uh, who plays in the NCAA, uh, Leo, Leo Carlson, who plays in the SHL, and then there's a Russian player, uh, Matt V. Michkov. Um, the biggest concern with Michkov is he is signing the KHL for, uh, I think it's two or three more years after this one. So he's not going to come over to play for your team right away um, the way you'd like to when you've got a second or third overall pick. So he's the only one of that group who might drop because of that contract status. But if you get any of these three players, while they aren't Bedard, you're still going to be very, very happy to have them for the foreseeable future. Yeah, you, you broke it down there nicely, Thomas, because everyone focuses on Bedard, but they don't realize in this draft the top you know several picks are going to be pretty good this time around. So... I mean, when I look at it, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of like tanking, quote unquote. I don't, I don't mind so much now that we're halfway through the season. We're at the, you know, the bottom of the standings, obviously, and we lose. I still like competitive games, like the game against Pittsburgh recently. They almost won regulation. They almost won overtime. They lost. You know, I like seeing that. The games before that at home, they, you know, they got blown out by Boston, which is kind of understandable. Boston's been on a tear. They lost. They're unbeatable. Yeah, and, and they Except lost against Seattle. Right, absolutely. Like it seems like Boston can beat everybody. Um, they lost to Edmonton. I, I was kind of upset with that one, and then New Jersey. I was there for two of the three games, so it was, it was frustrating to see that in person. But I, I'm with you because, like you talked about, the percentages. If the Ducks end up last, or any team for that matter, you, you know, you're around 18, 20 percent you know, chances of getting that first round pick. And I know a lot of people are out there and they're going crazy thinking, oh, well, if you're the first one, we're going to get, you know, screwed. I, I don't necessarily believe that. It's just kind of the way the draft goes. Um, the Ducks may not get the first pick. <clears throat> so it's interesting. It just, it follow a lot of the fans on social media and, and it seems like some people are okay with losing, some aren't. I'm okay with it, but I still want them to be competitive. I still want them to try different things. Um, and try to figure out stuff because of next season. And that kind of goes in to the other issue uh, about coaching. A lot of people are not happy with Dallas Aikens, the way the lineups are. Um, we saw some changes in, in the last couple games um, with Zegers and Terry being moved around. Um, you know, I like keeping those guys together. I don't like splitting them up. That That's the way I see it. But I'm okay with the Ducks experimenting um, with the lineup this season to try to figure it out for next season. I, I just, my thing, Thomas, is I hope that they kind of figure it out soon because if this whole year is just an experiment and we start over next season, it's kind of like, do we do we learn anything from this year? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, I mean, Aikens has unfortunately not done well with the Ducks. He's been bad uh, i actually was i liked it when the ducks hired him because of how well he'd done with the goals i wasn't sure if he was a good choice but i thought he at least earned that the shot to be with the ducks and get a second chance in the nhl it hasn't gone well um in any of his four years and i i don't want to say he'll never coach in the nhl again but i do think he's the wrong coach for this team uh, that being said, he has done a good job of getting Zegris, getting Terry, getting McTavish to play well most nights. Um, it seems he's struggling more, especially with the um, the newcomers, the veterans on the team. So if he keeps, you know, getting Terry well, getting Zegris uh, growing his game, McTavish growing his game, I am fine with him staying for the rest of the season. And I'm okay joking lines, especially after that game again, those blowouts at the end of the homestand. Like, you have to change something up. Even if we love seeing Zegers and Terry together, you have to change something up when a game has gone when so many games have gone that poorly. Also, 
I like the idea of Zegers and Terry together. I'm also not opposed to McTavish and Terry developing chemistry. So if Zegers and Terry are together most of the next year but aren't going for a stretch for whatever reason, you can try Terry with McTavish because they have some familiarity with each other. You know, they can build off what they had before and possibly click as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious, too, to see uh, that chemistry, too, like you said, develop, what, however they switch it up, especially in the top six, uh, and that's a big thing. Um, with, with Dallas, what what do you think? Uh, a lot of people, you know, they want him gone this season. Uh, Eddie and I have talked about it. I, I don't see him being gone this season. I actually see him staying till the end. What do you think about that? And then we also had a fan question from Larry Gabot who talks about Boudreaux coming back because Boudreaux's having some issues now in Vancouver. So just kind of all that together, what, what is your sense? Do you think the Ducks wait till the end of the season, bring in a new coach, and then obviously would uh, Boudreaux be one of those options if he's available come the summertime or whenever? So I think the Ducks would rather keep Dallas through the end of the season. They only want to pay one coach. It's a losing season. Why be paying two coaches at once? Which I get that. But I think if there's a coach they really, really want, like let's say, I don't think this is going to happen. Barry Trott is currently available. If Barry Trott wants to come back and the Ducks actually have a chance to hire him tomorrow and Rubik thinks he's the man to carry this team forward for the next several years, in that case, I think Akins is gone immediately. But I don't think there's a coach the Ducks are like, we really desperately want him right now that is available. Now, with Boudreaux, if he was available, he had a great run with Anaheim. It ended poorly, unfortunately, but you know most coaches end poorly eventually with the team they're with. It's the nature of pro sports. It's certainly the nature of the NHL. I'm not completely opposed to him coming back if he is available, but I don't think he'd be anywhere near the top of my list. Um, he would get the Ducks playing competitive, exciting hockey, most likely because that is what he's known for doing. Of course, he's known for not doing great in the playoffs. I think right now you and I would just take a competitive team that has a chance at the playoffs and worry about playoffs you know, down the road. So from that standpoint, Budo's like, you know what, bringing him back, giving him another chance, not the end of the world, but personally, I think I'd rather see someone else. Who that someone else is? I don't know, um, but I do think uh, Dallas Akins is here until the end of the season, unless just things go off the rails. So much more than that. I mean, things are already pretty off the rails, right? So I'm not sure how much worse we have to get for Rubik to fire Akins right now. I think the answer is if Terry Zegers McTavish start actively regressing, you know, they're going to have bad games, bad stretches, but they you know put together a ten or twenty game stretch where they're just awful. At that point, I think that's when Akins is gone. Um, but as long as he has those three playing hard and well most nights, I think his job is safe to the end of the season. Yeah, it's a good point that you bring up about Terry Zegers and McTavish, and we've seen that a little bit too, right? They they've been doing well. Uh, better five on five um, the power play which <clears throat> it's still at the bottom of the league but that first power play unit is, is shown some good things we've seen some goals um, lately especially against Pittsburgh where they've had Fowler on the point they've had um, Zegris on the wing McTavish on the other wing then you've had uh, Henrique and Terry down the middle and it, like I said the numbers overall are lower but they've been playing better they've been scoring goals uh, we've we've seen um, Terry uh, not scoring as much lately, but getting some assists. So I, I think that is a huge point that you make there, Thomas, that the, the big three or the core or the future, which a lot of people talk about, uh, TMZ, I guess, right? Terry McTavish <laughs> and Zegris, right? Is what a lot of a lot of people talk about. I, I think you're right. They have not regressed. They've actually done well, um, even despite this down season. So... I like what they're doing. I like where they're going. They're the core, right? One of one of those guys, maybe Zegers or, or Terry is the captain in the future, right? We don't know. Like, they're going to figure that out. That's a whole other discussion. But I think you're right. I think Dallas stays till the end of the season, and then the Ducks figure it out from there. And I'm with you. Uh, Boudreaux was, was, was good with the Ducks. Regular season, right? We, we had all these great things, and then we would we would lose in the playoffs. I, I don't think going back to him is the answer. I, I don't know who they do pick, but I think someone else would be better. So I, I think that's we're, what we have to look at the second half of the season. I, I think the biggest thing is those big three, how they're going to progress, 
how the team, the lines are kind of, you know, shake out <clears throat> and see what happens from there. And, it, and it's frustrating. I, I get it. A lot of people are upset. They're impatient. Um, you know, the team's not winning. We're at the bottom. We're, you know, we're battling Columbus and Chicago, uh, you know, for the, the top overall pick and where we're going to go. But um, I do get excited watching Terry, Terry Zegers and McTavish. And I think um, that you're right. As long as they keep going um, the way they're going, the Ducks don't go on some kind of crazy losing streak. I think Dallas does stay. Yeah, and they, they're fun to watch in the power play. Like, I love seeing McTavish get that one-timer off. I do wish they'd be a little more creative. I'm not sure if it's the players who are not being creative enough or the coaches are saying don't be too creative, but I would like to see a little more creativity from those three on the power play, but they are the right players to have out there. Um, I love Fowler on the power play, but I get Klingberg was at the start of the season, right? I get why he was taken off because he was playing really badly, but I think at this point... He needs to be back out there and hopefully with a few more power play points before that trade deadline comes up. And that's a huge point. Um, I'll save that for just a second because we're, we're going to talk about some trades and some things we can do uh, with the Ducks. Well, actually, you know what? Forget it. Let's just go into it. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we you know, with the trade stuff kind of coming up, we'll just, we'll just go into it now. It's fine. Um, what, you know, so if we're trying to improve this team, right, the draft... Uh, is a ways away. You have the trade deadline coming up. The Ducks did a lot of stuff last year. Obviously, with all uh, you know, with with uh, Manson, Lindholm, Delore, all these things that they had going on. They moved these people. Um, what do you think about Klingberg? It's kind of interesting because his name came up recently. Pierre LeBrun talked about him. He talked about him possibly going to Seattle, but then also that the Ducks wanted. Uh, a first-round pick as some kind of package in return for Klingberg. Um, what do you think? I mean, he's been inconsistent. Do you think that the Ducks can actually get a first-round pick for him? Before the season started, there was no question in my mind the team would probably not be great. They can still trade Klingberg for a first-round pick. But he has, to me, been the, I would say, the first or second biggest disappointment on the team this year. He just, for whatever reason... Never gelled early on. He's at stretches of being better. I think in the last few games, he's been better. Um, I love that assist he had against Philadelphia on that Henrique goal. Just the like he was right by the net. He had the patience to not just throw a backhand on it, but he found Henrique, and then there was the goal. So he's at stretches of looking really good, but it's been too small. So I would love to get a first-round pick for him. I don't know how realistic that is, um, but the Ducks do have a lot of cap space. So they could retain salary, they could take a bad contract back, and those, one or maybe both of those might get a first-round pick back as a result, because um, that's really what you want. Um, the Ducks, right now, they've got one first-round pick this year, but three in the second round, and then two more in the third. If they can get another in the first round, that would be fantastic, because this, besides, you've got this top four or five prospects. This is still, this is a really good draft, even outside of them. There is a drop, but the thing I saw the other day, someone was saying, um, there's probably 50 to 60 really good players in this draft. So if you can load up on picks, even if they're in the 20s and the 30s, you're going to get some really good players, potentially, hopefully. Yeah, and the other thing to think about, too, is uh, Seattle has three second-round picks coming up, too. So you have that as well. So you're talking about you know the first, second round being really heavy. Maybe there is something there. Maybe Klingberg does go to Seattle. So something to look, uh, you know, out for. I mean, I think he's still gone to the trade deadline. Oh yeah, for for sure. I just I, I just don't know how much. Um, another thing that's kind of interesting too is that uh, Frank Cervelli talked about Cam Fowler and listed him as being potentially available in an article that he wrote about Eric Carlson and how, there, you know, there's a lot of talk around him and San Jose getting moved. He's got a full no-movement clause, which is kind of tough. But what do you think about this? I mean, if the Ducks move Klingberg and the return is picks, maybe not a defenseman, I, I don't know. I, I think it's tough that the Ducks move him and then Fowler as well. I don't think Fowler moves for a couple of reasons. First, you do need NHL talent on the roster, and if you move both Fowler and Klingberg, the defense has, frankly, very little. Second, the cap. You do need to make sure you've got enough 
uh, cap space on the team. Um, third, Fowler is not cheap. He's, what, $6.5 million a year? There's not a lot of teams who can do that, and I don't think the Ducks retain salary on a contract that goes for, I think, three more seasons after this one. And finally, if you trade Fowler right now, you're selling low. This entire team's been bad, Fowler included. He was actually pretty good last year. He's had usual. He's been legitimately very good. Is he a top-pairing player? No, but he can be a very good second-pairing player. He can run the point on the power play. He can put up some points for you. So if he's trading right now, you are selling so low. Now, there's not a guarantee he will actually get back to um, where he was the last few years. He could you know, stay where he is or even get worse next year, and then you were like, well, we should have sold, sold when we had the chance. But I just think trading a player with three years left on his contract is really hard to do in the NHL. And if you do it right now, you're trading just when he has such low value, it is, I don't think, worth doing um, to really explore seriously. Unless someone says, hey, I'll give you three first-round picks for Fowler. Great. Done. I will do that in a heartbeat. But that's not a realistic trade that's going to happen right now. Yeah, that would, that would be crazy. And just so everyone knows, uh, Fowler has a modified no-trade uh, clause right now. So he submits a four-team list. Uh, Carlson owns the way he's got a complete... Uh, full no movement clause, and he's at eleven and a half million. Both of them, their contracts go till twenty six, twenty seven. Be crazy if they did do some kind of trade between the two. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I kind of feel like Thomas does. I, I mean, that uh, that would be insane. I mean, the the Sharks are going to have to retain something here uh, in that kind of move, and they're going to want some other stuff too. I I don't know. I, I think it's kind of crazy, but it's just interesting that Frank mentions that in his article. Puts him out there, so now, so now he's saying Fowler potentially available. But I mean, other than that, we haven't heard anything. Only four teams that he could go to. So another name to look for. Uh, I, I I do think Carlson maybe gets moved, but maybe not till the summertime. I, I don't know about the trade deadline. Um, so it, it's another one to look at. And since we're talking about defensemen, we'll, we'll just keep on going here. The other one is uh, Shattenkirk. What what do you think the Ducks do with him? So if they trade Klingberg, they keep Fowler, where does Shattenkirk fall in all of this, Thomas? What do you think? So, like I said, you do need to have defensive complaint in the NHL. I think that's pretty why the Ducks picked up Delzato, what was it, last month. So when they do start trading away these players, they can bring um, NHL veterans into their lineup. So I think Shattenkirk is 3.9 this season. He will be a free agent this summer. If you can find a good deal for him, I absolutely trade him. What does a good deal mean for Shattenkirk, though? A first-round pick, fantastic. It's not going to happen. He's not having a very good year. Um, but if you can get a third-round pick, a second-round pick, a decent prospect, um, I would be seriously okay with trading at this point. Um, but I don't know if the, if the return is going to be a sixth-round pick. I think I would rather keep him. And then maybe even resign him in the summer, depending on how things go, or just let him walk Um I don't just throw him away for nothing. Um, that's kind of how I look at Shattenkirk. Um, now, if you wanted to trade someone like um, uh, Bolu for a fifth round pick, that'd be more open to because he is—he doesn't have that pedigree that Shattenkirk has, doesn't have that NHL experience. He can't run power play. Um, so, if he's traded for a late round pick, fine. But I think someone like Shattenkirk, if it's going to be, you know, something that's so unlikely to help, unlikely to help the team in the future, I think it's worth uh, keeping through the end of the season. You know, it's interesting, too. You talk about, the, you know, Shattenkirk and, and trying to trade him, what you're going to get back and whatnot. If you look at the Ducks' blue line right now, uh, I feel like it's going to be completely different next season because you have Klingberg, right? We pretty, I mean, we assume he's gone, right? He's a UFA. Shattenkirk, UFA. Kulikov, UFA. Uh, you mentioned Beaulieu, UFA. Um, the only guys that are really slated to come back at this point that are on the roster are Fowler, uh, Bakaninen, White, and then you have Benoit, that's an RFA. I, I mean, to me, this is the biggest issue with this team is the defense and trying to figure this out. So I, I feel like, I mean, they're going to trade away Klingberg. You want to get some picks, fine. But I really feel like the Ducks need to bring in somebody to stabilize the blue line, Thomas, because if you if you look at this, Fowler, Kulikov, uh, you know, uh, is going to be gone. Vaka and come back. I mean, it just, there's not, there's not a top four that's going to come back for this team next season. I mean, you're only going to have a couple guys that are going to fill out the top pairings. 
I don't know. I just think the blue line looks like it's in big trouble next season if the Ducks don't try to trade and bring somebody in. I agree. I mean, there is the, the rookie option, and Zellweger's going to push for a spot next year. Minchikov might. Um, they've got a couple of college prospects in Thrun and Lacombe who uh, will be turning pro for this year. And, you know, that's four players who potentially could play in the NHL next year. But, you know, do you really want two, three, four rookie defensemen in your lineup? That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yes. And one or two, fine. And then you want a third call up, fine. But you don't want three or four guys who are brand new, especially when the other players you're going to see are like Colton White or Hovakanainen. Nothing against them. But if Cam Fowler's the lone vet, the real true veteran angel presence, and they've got, you know, White, Wakanainen, and then three or four rookies, that defense is even worse than this year's. So, yeah, I agree. The Ducks need to bring in. Something, someone, whether that's trade right now, whether that's trade the summer, whether that's free agency, the defense needs to be completely rebuilt. And I've, of the players who we currently have on the roster, I think Fowler and Vakanainen are the two who will be back next year. Um, I think Benoit might be because he's cheap enough and he can fill that six, seven for all really nicely. But it also wouldn't shock me if Rubik didn't qualify him and just lets him walk this summer. I could easily see that happening. And just completely rebuild the defense um, this summer through trades, through free agency, and through rookies as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, <clears throat> this, this kind of leads into the other point, too. A lot of people, you know, they're not happy with Gibson for whatever reason. But And, and we can argue this all day. I mean, people argue about, you know, Gibson not playing well and not doing X, Y, and Z, but... Here's the thing. Whoever's in net, it doesn't really matter. The Ducks' blue line is not good this year. They're terrible. I mean, and that's the problem. So um, I, I do think Gibson shouldn't play as much. I think Stolar should play more. But what what do you think? Uh, do you think the Ducks should try to do something in net? Like, you know, there's been rumors in the past about, oh, Gibson's going to go to Pittsburgh. Or, uh, you know, we should trade Stolars, uh, bring up Dostal. I mean, what do you think about a net? I mean, if the Ducks redo the blue line next season, um, do you think they should change anything in net? Like, should it still be Gibson and Stolars? Should it be uh, Dostal and Stolars? Gibson and Stolars? Like, I mean, what do you think about between the pipes for the Ducks? What, what's your take on, you know, the goalies? So, Gibson, maybe he's traded this summer. He's not being traded mid-season. I just... It's not going to happen, not at his contract. At the draft, maybe. Uh, I think he's been bad this year, let's be honest. But the entire team has been bad, and I certainly don't put the team's struggles on him. It's the primarily defense, like you said. Martin Broder and Patrick Waugh and Dominic Hasek are going to struggle in front of this team. They might put up some better numbers like Gibson, but they're still going to lose most games, let's be honest. Right. So I am perfectly happy to keep Gibson at least through next year, if not through the length of his contract. Uh, he's had some great seasons for the Ducks. It is not his fault the team has been awful this year and that they fell apart last year after the trade deadline. Give him a good NHL defense, and let's actually see if he's the NHL goaltender who we used to see. Now, Stolarz, he's a free agent this summer. I think you need to play him every other game leading up until the trade deadline and then move him for as much as you can get. Um, if you can get a third-round pick, I'd be very happy with that. You know, He is... Not an NHL starter, but he is an NHL backup. He can add to a team's depth and net. He signed for very cheap. And he can help a team not win, but he can help a team give you depth if something happens to your starter or your backup. Um, and, you know, every team, they will go through injuries in the playoffs as they go for the Stanley Cup. And if God help you, if something happens to your starter, you want a goaltender who you can at least put in there who will not cost you the game in the series. And I think that Anthony Stollers does fit that description. So I think you play him every other game until the deadline, trade him for the best return you can get, and then give Dostal the reins as at least the back through the rest of the season and for next season as well. And if Dostal is then great next year and is actually out playing Gibson through most of the year and starting to take that starting role, then next summer, um, so summer 2024, I would uh, at that point seriously consider trying Gibson if Dostal has shown that he really is that good. Now, if Gibson rebounds and or Dostal struggles, then I would not be think of trading Gibson that summer. Um, but I think you got to give it time. Let's just see what kind of goaltender Dostal is. He's played really well in the, what, five, six games this year, three or four games last year. But 
that's not a very large body of work to say if he truly is an AHL starter or not for years to come. So let's give Stolars the net for a little while, trade him, get Dostler as much as you can this year and next year, and then really figure out, okay, is it still Gibson's net or is it time to turn it over to Dostler? I think you make a lot of good points there. Um, you know, I think they've been playing Gibson a little bit too much this season. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm with you. I think Stolar should be playing more. And you're right. He's going to be a UFA at the, you know, at the end of the season. This contract's just under a million. Um, if you can get a third-round pick like you talked about, Thompson, uh, Thomas, sorry. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I think that that would be great uh, for Stolars. And then you're right. You could bring Dostal in the mix and see what happens next season. So, um a lot of good, you know, things to think about there uh, in net. Um, you know, you have some options there, and and the blue line has had some issues. So, um, I, you know, I would look at the net and see what they're going to do, see how they're going to figure that out. Um, real quick before we keep on going, I forgot just to mention that we're part of the Old City Sports Network. That's um, the network that we're part of. Um, you can check out all our sponsors there in the description. Uh, a real good one is Norse Beards for any of your grooming stuff. Um, check them out. OCSN for a discount. So NorseBeards.com. All the other sponsors are in there as well. But, um, you know, back to what we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the goalie situation, Stolarz, you, you hit the nail on the head. He's not going to be a starting goalie. So get what you can for him. Bring Dostal up and, and see what's going to happen. And then you brought up a good point. I mean, if, if Dostal comes up next season and he's out playing Gibson, um, I think you're right. That's maybe the time you do it. You know, you don't do it during the season. Um, you wait till next year and then go from there. I, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that can go on with this team. And I think uh, Verbeek, he's got options for sure. And this and this rebuild process, but uh, the goalie situation is one to monitor because if you let Stolarz walk at the end of the season, then you get nothing for him. Just like some of these UFAs on the defense. So I'm kind of anticipating the trade deadline to be busy for Anaheim. I don't I don't know if it's going to be as crazy as last year, but I, I think there's going to be some moves coming, Thomas. I don't think it'll be any Lynn Homer Manson type deals in terms of what, how much they're trading back for them, those deals. But, you know, Klingberg, Shattenkirk, Kulikov, they all have value, can bring back a decent return. Bully might get you a late-round pick. Maybe even Jason Megna gets you something. Hopefully Stolas St- 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 can get a round pick. So it's not going to be the, the large return from last year, but if you can just collect enough draft capital for this year's draft, you can either A, get a nice collection of prospects, or B, package some of those picks and try and move up in the draft. You know, that's what the Ducks got Corey Perry back in 03. They traded, I think it was two second round picks to get the, what was it, 28th overall pick from Dallas, I believe. You know, if the Ducks have, they already have three second round picks. Let's say they get two second round picks for Klingberg. They get five second round picks. You can package two or three of those to get another pick in the first round if you want to. If there's a play you really like and there's another team that's willing to trade back. So, you know, getting as much draft capital for this draft especially really is what the Ducks should be targeting. And, you know, even that's a fourth-round pick for Stolars this year, I would love to get it more, but you know what? That's better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. And that, that and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you don't want to let him go for nothing. Some of the defensive players don't want to let go for nothing. Um, looking at the offense, Henrique's name's been thrown out there a lot, and he's been playing very, very well lately. Uh, Eric Stevens talked about you know him going to Colorado, uh, being a second line center there. Um, you know what do you, what do you think about Henrique? We we've heard to Edmonton wants to trade Pulleyarvi. Um, you you think there's something there with with the Ducks trade uh, Rico to to the Avalanche because you know the Avalanche obviously the one standing cup last year they haven't been playing as well this year as they expected. You have Edmonton. It's you know in the division. I, I don't know how much you know a lot of the the teams are going to trade within there. But what do you think about Henrique? A, a lot of people have been talking to, uh, about him. Do you think that he gets moved at the deadline? I mean, he was out of favor with obviously Bob Murray, but that's changed with Verbeek in there. Um, I like the way he's playing. I I, I I wish he would stay on the team. 
Um, you know, he's still signed through next season. And it is 5.8, a little bit difficult to move with a lot of teams up against the cap. But what do you feel about Rico's situation? I would hate to move him. I really like him. Um, you know, he's a player who is really easy to root for. That being said, if he was traded to, like, let's say, Colorado or Toronto or, or a team he has a, a chance to legitimately win the cup with, I think that'd be great for him. Like, I would love to see him have a shot at the cup. And that's not kind of this year with the Ducks, obviously. And let's be honest, it's not kind of next year with the Ducks. The Ducks, I'm hoping, will be much improved next year. They're not going to compete for a cup next year. So if he's traded to a true cup contender, I'm okay with it. I will miss him a lot, but I will wish him well and hope he does just great with the new team. And as long as it's not a team I really actively dislike, I will hope he wins the cup this year. Um, I'll be sorry to see him go. Like you said, though, he is signed through next year, so the Ducks don't have to train him this year the way I feel like they need to for half of the defense because they're all free agents this summer. Um, so if there's not a deal that's worth it, um, I think it, it's better to keep Henrik, keep that veteran leadership. Now, again, if someone was to say, hey, here's a couple of first-round picks, I'll pack Henrik's bags right now and get him to the airport. Even if it's a high first-round pick this year, I would seriously consider it. Um, but if it's a high first-round pick, then he's going to a team who's not probably going to win the Cup. So... I wouldn't want to do that to him. Certainly don't want to send Chicago or Arizona, right? But they wouldn't make that deal anyways. Uh, but so I'd be sad to see him go. If he goes to a true cup contender, then great. I hope he, he's got two chances to win a cup with them. Um, but because he does have next year on his contract, that does mean the return needs to actually be uh, pretty good to uh, keep it. Um, the other thing they could do is retain salary on Henrik, on Klingberg, on any of these players. The problem with retaining salary on Henrik is because he is signed next year. I don't really want dead cap on the team next year. Now, this year, if you, you know, if let's say you, tra- you trade Klingberg, Shattenkirk, and Kulikov and retain salary on all three, whatever the dead cap comes off this year, I don't want to have that hindrance going into next season if possible. Um, so it all depends. There's a lot of moving parts to it. It kind of depends on just who wants him, what are they offering, and can they afford him under the cap? And if they can't afford him, they can only do it by the Ducks retaining them, that they need to be giving the Ducks back more. So last year with Lindholm, the Ducks did retain some salary, same for Manson, and that is one of the reasons why they got, um, I think it was an extra second-round pick out of Boston, and one of the reasons why for Colorado they got both a, a second-round pick and a pretty good prospect as well. Yeah, I mean... That that's the thing, like you're like you're talking about. If you can get some big picks out of it, then sure, why not? Uh, for sure. And and yes, he's going to be on the Ducks next season as well if he's not traded, obviously. Um, and and I like what he's done. I mean, I like him in the top six role with the Ducks. He, I mean, especially lately, he's been picking it up as well. So unless there's a real a big deal to be had then, yeah, don't move them. Uh, yes, the Ducks have room. I think that's the big thing coming in. Um, the trade deadline's, what, five, six weeks away. Uh, a lot of teams are up against the cap. The Ducks aren't. So they're probably going to get a lot of phone calls as far as trying to make some kind of deals or retaining salary on certain players or taking somebody to get picks or whatnot. So I, I, I think the Ducks are going to be extremely active still at the trade deadline. I'm with you. They're not going to make... You know, huge trades like Lindholm and Manson, those kind of things. But I think I think things are going to happen to keep this rebuild going forward. Um, another part of that, which I thought was interesting, you you brought this to my attention. I, I wasn't even thinking about it, but uh, Edmonton is looking maybe to move Pulleyarvi. Uh, Tamu posted something on Twitter talking about him getting a fresh start. Uh, you mentioned Comtois. And then switching places, which I thought was interesting because you know, come to us at two point, uh, just over two million RFA in the season. Pulley is at three million, also RFA in the season. Their their point totals are kind of the same. I mean, come to us got seven points in thirty four games. Pulley has got ten points in forty five games. I mean, is there something there? Do you you know could Edmonton and Anaheim do something with Pugliarvi and Comtois being swapped in there? You know, again talking about more of the offensive player um, stuff going on here. We've talked a lot about the defense, but is there a trade there as well? Say, say Henrik is not one that goes to Edmonton. Would Comtois and Pugliarvi? Do you think that's something that maybe um, could unfold? I. That's the one I've seen floated online is two young wingers both struggling and I think clearly need and 
change of scenery. Like both players had, I won't say great seasons, but very good seasons in the not too distant past. But this year, last year, both really have struggled, and a lot of people think Puyarvi especially needs a change of scenery. I don't think the Ducks have to or even should trade Comtois. Because, again, kind of like training Fowler, I would be trading low on Comtois. But if you can get someone with Pugliarvi's potential and someone who, you know, Solani really likes, that could convince me that that's worth it. Now, I would not add anything like, let's say, Comtois and a third-round pick for Pugliarvi. I wouldn't do that. I would do a one-for-one or even ask for more back in Edmonton, but I'm also sure they're saying the exact same thing. So I think what happens, it's a one-for-one deal. Um, the Oilers are up against the cap with Evander King coming back, um, though they did just put... Uh, I forget who it was, but a player to on long-term injury reserve to make that space. But they're going to need to make some de- some moves to stay cap compliant. So trading Polyarvi for Comtois is not a huge cap savings, but it does save them a little bit of cap space, which will help them get back under the cap. Um, so I think they have to make a move unless someone's out for the entire season. So this is one that could work. And they, if Lion thinks he's a player who could still work, that's a reclamation project that I could get on board with. Yeah, and I, I and I agree with you. I, I think it needs to be a one-for-one, one too. If they do that, go for it. Maybe they both get a change of scenery. It works out. I, I, I'm kind of with you emotionally. I don't want Comtois to be traded. But if they're going to go for it, you know, do it. I mean, Temu does still have a lot of influence with the team. We know that, you know, he talks to management. Obviously, he was the one that, uh, amongst others, obviously, that uh, wanted Verbeek to come to the team. So I would keep an eye on Pugliarvi, maybe he doesn't come to the Ducks, but I think he's going to be gone at the trade deadline. It's just a question of where. Um, you know, maybe not with Anaheim. You know, I don't know. But if they did do a one-for-one trade, I would be sad. I wouldn't want Comtois to be gone. But I think it is interesting to see because they're, they're kind of in similar positions. And, is, and, and to, you know, just to see what would happen if they both swapped and got a change of scenery. Something very, very interesting to keep an eye on. So I, I think with the Ducks, I mean, we're talking about all these trades and everything that would go on. I still think they're a team to watch. They're going to be, be you know, busy at the trade deadline. They can broker a lot of teams uh, coming up. Because, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Cap Friendly right now. And there's, I mean, holy cow. If you look at the teams, it's like, over half the league is up against the cap or, or barely has any room. Um, you know, the Ducks are third with the most room. They have third, almost $14 million in cap space. Buffalo with $18 million and Arizona with $18 million. So the Ducks are the third. And then it drops down to $5 million for Detroit, Chicago, and the threes for Minnesota, Ottawa. And then everybody else after that's got a million or less or, or zero because they've got players on the LTIR. So that's one thing to look for uh, with this team is to see what they're going to do with the trade deadline, what's going to happen. You know, we were part of the three-way trade, had Michael Delzato come back to the Ducks again uh, earlier this season. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. I, I think they've got to shake up some things to try to get this team um, back on, you know, on track. Um, whatever they do with Stolars and Gibson and whatnot, to me, I don't know, a lot of people get upset about the goalie situation. I'm not so much upset about that. I'm more upset about the defensive situation. I think it's just not worked out for the Ducks. It's not working. I mean, granted, uh, Drysdale has been out too, so that's another part, uh, you know, the issue with the team. But I guess we can kind of go into this too, Thomas. Uh, We had Boldy. Um, sign uh, you know a seven-year deal at seven million. So now, now the big thing is a lot of people are talking about uh, Zegers and Drysdale and what kind of deals are they going to get because there are phase at the end of the season. So you know we got we got to get past the trade deadline and see what the Ducks are going to do. Then of course we're going to come up to summertime. Um, that that's when you work hard, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier. You you crank out a lot of articles when everybody goes to sleep in the summer. Thomas is like the mad typer. He he goes nuts, which is fantastic. I love it. But what what do you think in terms of Zegers and Drysdale? Obviously, the Ducks want to bring them back. They want to keep them on the team. They're they're part of the future of the team. Like that's like, duh. The sun comes up in the morning. But what what do you think about Zegers and Drysdale? What kind of contracts should we look at for them in the summertime? 
So I think Rosario is right, because he's at, well, essentially been signed the entire year. I think he has to get a bridge deal. It doesn't make sense to give him a long-term deal because, let's be honest, he hasn't earned it yet. And if he were to sign a long-term deal, it would be for an incredibly cheap, and that's not fair to him. Give him two, three years, let's see what he can do, kind of like with Terry, and then if he just can absolutely explode in that time, then great. Give him a nice long-term deal in three years' time. But I think, Dreisley, you have to bridge because of the unfortunate injury situation. And even with that, if he wasn't injured defensemen usually do take longer to develop than forwards that's all, that's the general thinking of the nhl right so mm-hmm. in that situation it still might have made more sense to bridge but i think the injuries made it so he absolutely needs to be just bridged this year this summer and see what he's like in two or three years now zegris he's an interesting one um there are two players from his draft class who have signed long-term deals jack hughes who went first overall and i think Zegers needs to have the same agent, and he got, uh, I believe, it was an eight-year deal for eight million per year. And then Boldy, who went, uh, what was it, twelfth overall, he just got that seven-year, seven million dollars a year. Zegers was, of course, picked ninth overall, right between those two players, and his offense production, I think, is also right between those two players. So, I think, ideally, that I should try and get him at seven or eight years. Somewhere from seven to eight million a year, give or take. Um, I don't think he's done enough to say command nine, ten million dollars. And I know a lot of people can say, you know, he's coming for a contract. He has not earned seven, eight million dollars. Fair enough. Here's the thing: Jack Hughes hasn't earned eight million dollars either. This season, he is earning that eight million and is starting to look like a bargain. In three or four years, that Hughes contract will be a steal. That's what you want to do. If you are convinced you have a future star, you want to sign them right now. Um, for as long as you can, for as cheap as you can, because if you bridge Zegris in two or three years, he's going to probably cost nine, ten, maybe even eleven million dollars if he comes that superstar player we dream he's going to be. Now, there's always a chance he just falls apart and that contract bites us in the butt, but that's the risk you got to take. You really hope Zegris can develop into that player we all want him to be, and if he does, you want him in that seven to eight range right now, and not in that nine, ten, eleven range in a couple of years. You make a very good point there, Thomas. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would take Zegris <clears throat> for a similar deal to Boldy, for sure. Uh, if you look at Zegris in 144 games, he's got 109 points, right? Uh, very similar numbers to Nathan McKinnon when he started. I'm not saying he's the same. They're different players. But I'm just saying, he's he's got 109 points in 144 games. That's nothing to sniff at. So... I'm with you, I and I think you're right. A very good point. If you do a bridge deal with Zegris for two or three years, then say he just kills it in the next couple of years, which, I mean, I think he is, and you think he is, and a lot of people think he is, now you're going to ask for more. So I, I think you go with Zegris, you give him that six, seven-year deal at $7 million. Um, Drysdale, unfortunately, he's been out injured. Um, I, I do think you do the bridge deal with him. Um, and, and see what happens. And, and you made a good point, too. It's in the game of hockey, uh, when you're a defenseman, it takes longer to develop that spot and get good at it, obviously, as opposed to a forward. That's just kind of a, a thing that we've all talked about. So, um, you know, a lot of stuff going on with this team. <laughs> it, I mean, I always crack up. I say the Ducks are the most interesting team in the league. Even when they're losing, there's always, there's always stuff to talk about, always things going on. So... I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with both of them coming up in the summer. But I'm with you. Do a long-term um, deal with Zegers, do a bridge deal with Drysdale, and then go from there uh, and, and see what happens. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, Thomas. What would you do, uh, Terry? You're right. You know, we didn't even talk that much about Terry on this show. And you're right. Terry's going to be an RFA um, as well. He's at 1.4 million, and he he's been killing it. Um, he's a big race. Yes, um, pay the man, right, Thomas? Yeah. The, the only concern I have is that he's 25, right? Do you want to do an eight-year deal for him? That's the real question for me. And that and that's tough because I hate those long-term deals, but I I hate him with goalies because goalies can break down, things can happen. But with Terry, oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the way he's played lately, 
and and whatnot and where he's at. Um, man, I, I I think the Ducks got a. I would go for it. I would I would uh, do the long term deal with Zegers and Terry, and I would I would go for it, Thomas. I mean, I didn't even think about it. it you know, we were talking so much about Zegers and Drysdale, but. Uh, I don't know if I would do eight years, but I would definitely do six or seven. What do you think? I think I'd do six or seven. I would consider eight if it helped bring down the average annual value of the contract, but I still think I'd prefer six or seven years and pay a little more um, for those years. I'm with you. I, I would do just, that. You know, he is already 25. Most like We saw this with Corey Perry. He was great through his 20s and his early 30s, but eventually, you know, what was it, 32, 33, he started, he just he didn't hit a wall, but he slowed down considerably from where he was, and he wasn't worth that $8 million anymore. If he can sign to a six- or seven-year deal, then, you know, that buyout doesn't happen. Um, so that's the risk you do with Terry. You can get, you know, four or five, six good to great years out of him, but those last two, three, four years, is it worth the contract anymore, and will that handcuff the team at that point? And, you know, that's the, that's the uh, question Rabik will have to ask himself. With someone like Zegers, when he's... I think what 20, 21 right now. Mm-hmm. No issue signing him to an eight-year deal, but you know when you're in your mid twenties, that eight-year deal can really hurt a team down the line. Yeah, you're right because t- Terry is twenty-five, like you, you like you mentioned, and Zegers is twenty-one, so that is something to consider. Uh, and I'm with you. I I mean I'd rather have Terry at a six, seven-year deal at a higher amount. Uh, I'm with you on that. I uh, like go for it. Yeah, man, it's just <laughs> some interesting stuff with this team. I mean, yeah, it's not been an easy season, but, you know, how you navigate this team going forward, obviously the blue line has issues. You can make some moves in net. you got young guys coming up. How long are you, you know, or I should say they're already up, but you know what I mean, coming up in the league. So, you know, how much do you sign them to? So a lot of things to ponder with this team uh, moving forward in the next year. Um, real quick, you know, kind of before we wrap up everything, let's kind of talk uh, about the minor league stuff. You cover a lot of that. I really appreciate it because I don't really have the time to be honest, but what did you think about Zellweger and Mintakulov and those trades? A lot of draft picks involved in, you know, the minor leagues. A lot of people kind of freaked out. I mean, it doesn't affect them and their status with the the Ducks organization. But, you know, I just want to get your thoughts because you you do a lot for us covering uh, minor league prospects, world juniors, and whatnot. What did you think about those trades and and kind of their development? So the Zellinger one I just thought was kind of hilarious. So it's him and another forward um, named Ryan Hoffer. They were on Everett, and they were traded to to the uh, Kenloops Blazers. And here's their return for these two players. Four first-round picks... Two second rounders, one conditional, a third rounder, a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder, and four players. <laughs> it's one of the most just absurd deals. It might be the most absurd deal I've ever seen in my life. It's just bonkers. And, you know, Zellweger, this is his final year of juniors. You're getting Zellweger for the end of the season and for the playoffs, and that's it. So you're, you're going all in. And that being said, this deal actually does make some sense for Kamloops because they are the host of the Memorial Cup this year. So regardless of how they do in the WHL playoffs, they will be in the Memorial Cup. And that's the big uh, tournament that all junior teams really want to win. Winning uh, the uh, playoffs, the WHL, the OHL, the QMJHL, if you can do that, that's great. That's your ticket to the Memorial Cup, though. If you're the host, you're already there. So Kamloops will be at the Memorial Cup regardless. So getting a player of Zellweger's caliber who has... This year, he hasn't been quite as dynamic as last season when last season he was just phenomenal. But this year, he's still been very, very good. He was still oh, Canada's best host at the World Juniors. He is a very good player um, for his age group. So... You know, I get what Kansas do. They want to win the Memorial Cup while they're the host. So this was the price they had to pay. And I've never seen Brian Hoffer play, but I've heard, you know, good player, um, the type of uh, gritty player you need to win the playoffs. So maybe he'll help. Maybe he'll not, he won't. I'm not sure. It's just, it's a ridiculous deal to give up. I should say that, you know, one of the second rounders is conditional. So maybe they don't get that second, second rounder, but they still get all those other picks and players. Um, so it's, one of the more ridiculous deals I've ever seen, but hey, if Kamloops wins the World Cup in June, 
they're happy and they don't care about that price that they just played they just paid the other thing also for drafting in junior leagues you know they're drafting um really young teenagers so it's a lot harder um that is uh at the NHL level to scout and figure out hey this guy um should be a first versus second versus third rounder because you know these are you know we always say the draft the the players being drafted the NHL kids the players being drafted in the junior leagues those are real kids so who knows what they're going to turn into so a first overall pick in that draft means a lot less, um, I feel like, in the junior leagues that does uh, to an NHL team. So giving up that amount, if you're the host team, it makes a lot of sense. And hopefully he uh, has a great tournament. He's already got uh, four points in three games with his new team. Um, four, three of those points are goals, so he's fitting in nicely uh, early on. Um, for Michikov, he was traded um, uh, to... Um, uh, sorry, he was traded from uh, Saginaw to the uh, Ottawa 67s. And the deal isn't quite as ridiculous, but it's still pretty ridiculous. It's um, three second-round picks, uh, four third-round picks, and two fourth-round picks. No players, no first-round picks. Uh, the thing about Mijikov, though, he is argued... Well, I don't think there's any question. He's been the best defenseman in the OHL this year. Um, he's been the OHL defenseman of the month uh, for October, November, December, if I remember correctly. Um, he's arguably been the best player in the OHL this year. I think he's currently third in league scoring as defenseman. So he's having just a wonderful season. Um, with his new team, he's only had a handful of games so far, only has a couple of assists. So not quite the immediate impact Zelliger has, but again, it's been a couple of games. I'm not too worried about his uh, production through the rest of the season. Um, he's also only 19, so he has another uh, season of juniors ahead of him. Um, but if the Ducks think he's too good for the OHL next year, there's a chance he could be in Anaheim uh, rather than back in junior. So again, Ottawa could be paying a lot for just um, a half season in the playoffs uh, for uh, Michikov. Yeah, that's what, I mean, these junior trades, I mean, God, like you talked about, this is crazy. I, I don't remember seeing <laughs> so many draft picks involved in these moves. And like you said, yeah, we could see, you know, one or both of these guys with the Ducks next season. So... Um, just insane. Uh, I will say this. If Verbeek can get a deal like this for Klingberg, not all his first-round picks, but if he can get like three second-rounders and two third-rounders, I'll be very happy. I'm with you, too. If you can't get the first-rounder, but like you said, load up on the other rounds, hey, go for it. So, um, you know, I, I'm still hopeful with this team. I, I look forward to the future seasons. Obviously, this year's kind of, it is what it is, but... You got to look at the development of what's happening with this team, and, I, and you know I think they're going to be um, fantastic, you know, moving forward, uh, especially with these. Uh, <laughs> you can see the value of these trades. But uh, we'll finish off the show. We have one poll question. Another thing that a lot of you guys got fired up about was the puck tracker that Bally Sports uses during the power plays and the overtime. We did a poll. <laughs> about 70% of you did not like it. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Thomas? I mean, you know, I, it's just one last thing kind of around the show, but how do you feel? Do you dislike it? Would you change it? Um, are you okay with it? But, you know, they, they use it in these, you know, uh, special team situations and overtime. What are your thoughts? So I don't really love it or hate it. I'm kind of indifferent. Um, it does remind me of the, the Fox glow puck from the 90s. I like, though, that it's only during specific points in the game and not the entire game. I think if it was the entire game, I'd probably go slightly nuts over it. But it's power plays, it's overtime. I think that's a good time to use it. Uh, one thing that's often said about hockey is it is arguably the greatest sport to watch in person, but on TV, a lot of people feel that it loses something that's hard to keep track of the puck. Personally speaking, I've never found that to be the case, but if it is easier for a new fan or even a casual fan to follow what's going on because of what they're doing, I think they should keep doing it. Um, now, if it's not helping people, if it's bothering new fans and casual fans, then get rid of it. One thing I definitely really like, though, um, is putting the player's name over them when they have the puck on the power play. Not for the Ducks, but for the other team. So, like, you play New Jersey, I do not watch a lot of Devils games. <laughs> so I really like knowing when Jack Hughes has the puck. He's a player to pay attention to. So that actually is a nice feature, seeing those uh, those names about the players on the power play. Because when Jack Hughes has the puck, you want to pay attention. When Dougie Hamilton has the puck, you want to pay attention. So I think there's some good to it. I think there's some bad to it. 
if ultimately it does help the um, new fans and the casual fans follow the game better, I think it's worth keeping. I'm with you too, and you brought up a good point. I forgot about that with the names being shown over the players. I, you know, especially on the the opponents' team, and we obviously we don't follow the opponents' teams as much, right? We follow the Ducks more so than those teams. So I think that's a good point. And it's funny because you talk about you know the puck back in the day when they did it in the '90s, and I laugh because I, I if I'm not incorrect, I remember it being blue tail, and then when it yes. went over 90 yeah. miles an hour, was it red? I, think, oh. I can't remember. I think that's what it was. But e- either yeah. way, re- regardless, I, you know, I liked it back then, and I think I'm with you. If they do it in select situations like special teams or overtime, I think it's okay. I don't like the black line so much. It's, it's not as easy to see. Um, so, I, I, you know, I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do. And, you know, a lot of people on social media are like, oh, my God, this thing is horrible. Um, I'm with you. If it's a casual fan or a new fan and it, and it helps bring them in, I like it. I really like it when they shoot the puck and you see the long you know, tail on the end and you see it go wide or hits the net or blocked or whatever. But maybe a color change uh, might be in order to make it a little bit you know, more exciting. But other than that, uh, you know, I, I'm with you. I don't really love it or hate it. So... Um, but yeah, so that's that's where we're at. You know, the Ducks. You know, this this show we did kind of the mid season report. Uh, obviously, the Ducks uh, towards the bottom of the league and a lot of <laughs> stats and whatnot. What's going on? But you know, Thomas and I kind of broke down a lot of uh, things that the Ducks can do, whether it's in net or trades or whatnot, um, contract things that are coming up in the future. So a lot of things we talked about with that. Um, also, you know, we'll still be covering the Ducks as well. Um, you know, if you want to join our patreon.com slash ducks and pucks, you can join on there. We, we still give away tickets on there and other uh, things as well. And uh, we'll keep doing shows this season. Um, not really sure how it's all going to play out at the moment. A lot of things are going on, you know, thoughts and prayers with Eddie and his family and whatnot. But uh, thanks for listening and uh, let's go, ducks. <laughs>